Welcome to the Freelance Revolution Podcast. I'm Leah. And I'm Sarah. We're both seasoned freelancers running successful businesses that allow us the flexibility to live the lives that we want. We do different work as freelancers, we find our clients in different ways, and we have different business models. The one thing that unites us is a passion for helping others work on their own terms. We're not here to give you a silver bullet or sugarcoat the work it takes to develop and run a successful business. We're here to guide you through the journey we've already taken, bust common myths about the freelance lifestyle, and give you the support you need to keep going when things get tough. The Freelance Revolution Podcast is brought to you by Freelancers Aligned, our free community for freelancers and solopreneurs. Our members get live access to our podcast recording each month and exclusive access to submit questions to the Q&A portion at the end. Did we mention that membership is free? Go to freelancersaligned.com to learn more and sign up. Hi, Leah. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good. How are you? Pretty good. All right. Talking about quality over quantity today in terms Mm. of clients. Yes. That's a fun topic. (laughs) Isn't it? Um, Yeah. Because I've been there where quantity was ridiculous amounts. Mm -hmm. I mean, we talked last time a lot about how you have many, many, many clients and projects compared to the way I structure my business, oh. which makes my head spin thinking about. But I, ha- I just an update. I mean, I have closed out a lot of those contracts that were inactive. I'm like, if you, I'll, I gave them, you know, a couple of weeks to respond. And if they needed anything, they reached out, um, which was cool because I did get some, um, some clients that came back that I hadn't talked to for a while, but then I also just blessed and released the other clients that were non-responsive. So my client load number is down, um, but my activity increased because of that activity. So, you know, (laughs) say more for the, for folks that, um, maybe joining us for the first time, when you say like close out clients, tell us like inactive clients, tell us what you mean by that. Okay. So my vetting process on Upwork is I have ongoing clients that I work with on some sort of regular basis, whether it's a monthly basis, a weekly basis, or even I have a few of them that are just quarterly basis. So those are my ongoing clients. Then I have project clients where I don't always close out that contract when the project is over, just in case they need me to come back and fix anything. We need to tweak things down the road. I just don't want to have to start another contract for that. Um, so it's those type of people that I follow up with after a while. And that's where, you know, I had a lot of those contracts open that I just needed to follow up with. So, um, or they may have mentioned that they needed something down the road. So, um, that is my process, but everyone gets at least, um, a monthly follow-up from me. If I've worked with them, you know, in the recent past, the clients that I got rid of, have been products that have been done, you know, a few months ago that I haven't really heard anything from. So just for that clarification. Awesome. So I think, um, the main part of what we're going to talk about today is just like vetting, like how you vet clients and projects when they come in the door. Um, and that's like, for both of us, I know a big way that you think about quality. Um, and then, at the end, we'll um, switch over to do our live Q&A for our members 
who are on with us today. So do you, do you want to start off by talking a little bit about how you vet your clients? Yeah. Um, I'm going to pull a quick stat here because um, this is interesting. So there's always, no matter how hard you vet people, like the process that, like how on top of it you are, there's still going to be those bad eggs. Okay. So what I'm looking for right now is I want to see how many total contracts I've had on Upwork and see what, okay. So I've had 138 contracts on Upwork since I started in May of 2018. I can count on one hand still like on my fingers of how many bad eggs I've had in that. Um, And when I say bad eggs, like I still look at each of those individuals and no matter what I did to vet them any harder, like I don't think I would have been able to Oh, like figure them out before the contract started. So for me, that, that speaks volumes that I'm onto something as far as like my vetting process. So I'm working with the right people at the right time for the right reasons. So it's a gut check as well. Um, so my vetting process is I never accept a job until I've had a face-to-face conversation on Zoom or, you know, on the Upwork video chat. So the reason that's super important is I want to know how distracted they are. I want to know how respectful they are. I want to know like what their body language is like, so I can read them so I can understand how they're talking. Um, and so I can get my questions asked and see how prepared they are with those answers because I don't have the time in my bandwidth to, babysit clients to go from here to here and not saying that I won't on some aspects, but I need to make sure that I have that bandwidth to help them with that process if need be. And I can't get a good read on clients unless I have that in-person conversation. So it's just something that I implemented in my business from very early on because on Upwork, you get invitations, you know, quite frequently if you're applying for jobs. And the main thing that people do is like, Hey, I want to hire you. Well, they might not necessarily meant to hire you. They just meant to start the conversation and they thought they needed to hire you to get that conversation going. Mm -hmm. So just kind of setting that boundary up and letting people know from the very beginning what my process is. It's again, a way for me to kind of take, like, let them know, like, Hey, I am a player in this control, like relationship. So they're not just the one controlling me as the freelancer. Like I have some say in how we work together as well. So Um, that's what I do. Um, as far as like other vetting processes, I make sure that I do my due diligence on reading their past feedback that they've had gotten from freelancers. And if they have negative ones or like, if like a absolutely one that I won't touch is if they go through and like, they have a review that was a non-payment, I'm not even going to touch it. I'm not even going to work for them because that's, that's digging. I mean, I think that that is, that's digging directly in my wallet and taking money out. And I just don't want to put myself in that situation. So does that make sense? Like, yeah. I feel like I've been all over the place with that, but do you have, um, do you have like, and, and I have a set of questions that I use when I do those kind of like client interview calls, do you have specific questions that you use or like a process that you run through every single time you have one of those calls? 
So when I get on the call with them, I let them know that I do have questions or I let them just let them know, you know, basically I want to get to know them. I want them to get to know me. And sometimes they come to that interview, like with their own set of questions, but then I kind of cross-reference it with mine just to make sure that I get all of the necessary information so I can make an informed decision. So that is something that I do offer like a process. It's different for each I would say it's different for each person on Upwork a little bit based on the services that you're providing. So when I do work with coaching clients, that is something that I establish with them, like those, um, their interview questions. Mm -hmm. Cause it kind of depends on what you do and like what your, um, who the client is and what they want. Right. Yep. Um, so yeah, so when I um have like an initial conversation with clients, my um like we talked about before, my work is like a little bit into like a very specific niche. Um and so a lot of that revolves around the content of the project and just like presenting myself as um someone that has a relevant background for the work that I'm about to do. Um And I do have a set of questions that I use um, and that I I share as um, a free download on my website of questions that you should be asking every single client up front. Um, And the thing about like like qualifying clients is you want to make sure like there's a way that you can look for um, red flags. Um, and I'm sure like maybe after let's switch and you can tell us a little bit about like how you look for red flags too, but there's a way, like, I think part, part of it in the beginning is just like presenting yourself to them. But to your point, you also want to be able to, um, make sure that the power dynamic is such that you're also in control of the work you're about to do. And you're presenting yourself as a professional that, knows exactly what you're doing. And so you're in control of the way that the work is about to unfold in order to achieve what they want. Um, Cause I would venture to guess for your, for a lot of your clients too. And I know this was true. Like Leah and I met each other because I hired her to work on a project for one of my clients is that I would venture to guess that a lot of your clients don't even really know what they need when they come to when they like have that initial conversation with you. Right. Or they've only thought about like the first phase of the project. Mm-hmm. And not, yeah, totally. That's exactly where I was when I had um, my initial conversation with you too. So um, the, the areas that I suggest that people ask when they're having um, a like initial conversation with a client is like, obviously, first and foremost, you're learning more about them and what they need. And you're like pitching yourself, quite frankly, which in the next month, um, the theme of our membership is going to be all around skills and like how to sell your skills. And so we'll talk a lot more about how to um, pitch yourself, how to talk about what you do and the problems that you solve. But like, that's obviously like sort of the first part of the conversation. And then there's a series of questions that you want to make sure to ask a, because they're going to help you write a perfect proposal. Like you're basically asking them for the information that you're going to put directly into the proposal and you're looking for red flags so that you can make sure that they are like the type of client that you want to work for and that you're able to solve their problems, quite frankly, because I think a lot of people can come in and 
A, not really know what they need, or they need a lot of things, some of which you do not do. And a lot of freelancers get into a place where they just say yes to everything. And they're like, oh, I'll figure that out later. And then you don't actually deliver on what you said you could do. Like, I remember, Leah, when we first talked, I was like, what about social media? Like, you do anything around social media? And you were like, no, I don't do that. (laughs) Which which was awesome because I was like, all right, she really knows what she's doing. Because like to say no show, like, I think it really shows the level of professionalism you have where you're not just like, oh, yeah, I could do literally anything you need because it's not true. Right. Right. And so that's, I mean, I'm going to interrupt you for a second yeah, because I just had that situation happen last week where I submitted a proposal for a job because they were looking for a Kajabi website, but then they also wanted Google, a Google AdWords specialist and a Facebook and Instagram ads manager. And I'm like, okay, if that person exists out there, correct me if I'm wrong, like I'm fact check me. Like if you are that person, let me know because you are like a diamond in the rough, like a unicorn. unicorn. Um, because someone who can say that they are an expert in Kajabi development, Google AdWords and social media ads, like you can't stay on top of all three of those and position yourself as an expert. I'll just say that as it is. And I'll take grief if you want to comment and like, let us know, because that's just my true, like where I'm at. And so when I messaged the guy back, I said, Hey, I am this person, but I truly believe, and I've been in this space long enough to know that I don't think that you're going to find someone who is those other three. However, I have been in this space again, reiterating, I have experts that I've connected with that I can send you in like referrals for those two other people that you would need to bring on for this project. So I didn't even get on a call with him until he was cool with that. And he understood that. Yep. Yeah. I think that's super important. And, um, this is something that we'll go way more in depth on next, um, episode on skills for sure. Um, but yeah, being super clear about what you do and what you don't do positions yourself as a professional. Um, So you're not just sitting there saying yes to whatever they want. Um, And then from there, so like when you're qualified, so that's like you're pitching yourself to the client. And then when you're qualifying the client, so the the areas that I um, like to ask and that I um, coach people on asking about when they're having those initial calls with clients are goals. So like literally asking what they want to do um, what the scope looks like. Um, so like, what do they think your role looks like? What do they, what are the, um, actual deliverables that they want to get from that engagement? Um, collaborators. So who else is going to be involved and what are the power dynamics? I think what can sometimes happen is like you have, it could go two ways. So you can either have that initial call with like, if it's a small company, you're maybe having that initial call with like whoever's in charge of making the decision about hiring the person, which is like, I don't know, a VP, a CEO, again, if it's a small company or like some higher level manager, but they're not the person that's actually going to be working with you on the project. Um, they're like a lower level person, a doer, is what I usually refer to them as, is the person that's actually going to be working with you and is going to be your main point of contact. Or it can go the other way, 
the person who's going to be working with you is the one that has that initial phone call, but they are not the person making the decision. So they're there to like get all the info and like fill you out. But then the person that actually like controls the decision-making you've never even met. And so it's just important to like figure out like, who am I talking to and how do you fit into this project? And like, who else might be involved in the project? Um, and then these last two, this is where I like really like feel out the red flags. So you ask about barriers. So like, what are potential, like what issues have you had with projects like this in the past? What are potential things that could go wrong? And um, ask about constraints. So constraints are like budget timeline. Like those are pretty basic. You need to know, obviously, how much time you have and how much they're going to pay you. And then um, ask, also asking about how we're going to communicate together. Like how, how does this usually work when you work with someone like this? And their answer might be like, oh, I've never done this before, which is fine. Like I've never hired, a, I've never done something like this with a freelancer before. Great. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> and doesn't mean that they're not going to be a great client, but it's like good to know that um, you have to, I think of some people who are not used to working with a freelancer or a contractor approach work in a very different way um, because they're used to working with only employees. And so that's just something to know about how you manage that relationship. And then this is the best one because it like feels good to them and it's like gold for your proposal. And it will give you, it will like also raise red flags. How can I make sure this is a good experience for you? And that is the one where it's like so many, like literally whatever they say right there, just like copy paste that straight into your proposal. And then they're going to be like, oh, this person heard me. This person knows what I need. Um, so those are the questions that I, and like the areas that I recommend people talk about in that initial call. And then, like I said, you're literally like, if you're writing your proposal as you go, like those, that's all the info you need for your proposal. And you also can be like, mm, this is going to be amazing. Or maybe this is going to be a terrible fit. So let me ask you a question because what happens if you've gotten to the point where <clears throat> you're like, nope, I don't, I, at that point, I don't want to work with them. How to, how do you decline that? Oh, super good question. Um, <laughs> Mm, I bet you actually have a better answer for this than I do because you do this like, I, like we've talked about, I have way, way fewer clients. And okay. so, um, my process is a little bit different. So let me like yeah. get up to like, your checklist is great. Um, but there it's just out of order a little bit. Yeah. How the upward process works. So you send a proposal. Okay. So that's where I send my proposal that then the initial conversation happens. So they already know my rate. They already know that. Yes. So basically the call is more of a formality per se of this is what I offered. This is what I kind of estimated taking blah, 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 just kind of go through that. So it gets a little awkward for me when I have to then send them another proposal. I'm like, dude, you already got all my skill set. Like, here's the, like, you're not looking for a proposal. You're looking for a product scope with like outline of we're going to yes. do this in this phase. This is how much is this going to cost? Like, that's the type of proposal that they're actually looking for on Upwork. So when they pose me that question, Hey, send me a proposal. And I'm like, I've already decided that I don't want to work with you. I have a scripted response that I literally, I'm not going to give them any more time. Like if I already made the decision, I know that I have a professional response 
And it's simply like, thank you so much for taking the time after asking all my questions and getting your answers. I just feel like I'm not in alignment with to be the freelancer that you need to run this successful project or something along those lines. Um, and I just like wish them the best of luck. Sometimes I do have a referral for them. Um, or I tell them like, if you're not finding the exact person, like add this to your job posting and you might find another Mm -hmm. valid person. So I'm giving them a little bit of something. However, I'm not spending a ton of time on. And then what I do just to be done, because if you're kind of working in the point of desperation, like where I know that I need another client, that's a different mindset versus I have enough. I don't need to take any on this looked like a great opportunity though, that I would have in my schedule. Yeah. So I are, I archive myself from that job. So I'm not even tempted to take it. Yeah. Like, that's just the boundary that I've put on for myself. Um, I've had some people like get really snarky with me, like that I've wasted their time on that call. And I'm like, I would have wrapped in my response. The whole point of the call. Like, yeah. Like, I'm glad we figured out now that we're not a right fit than in a couple of weeks, or I would have yeah. really wasted your time. Yeah. You know, and you can't, you make at the end of the day, you can't make everyone happy. Like if it doesn't feel right for you, there are plenty more jobs out there. And if you cannot find any jobs, especially if you're in the Upwork platform, reach out to me because I can help you. Yeah. Like there are, if you think there aren't, the answer is you're wrong. There are. There are. (laughs) Leah. Yeah. Yeah. I would say like for me, I mean, it doesn't happen very often just because like, like we talked about last time, my clients come to me through like. a a referral network or like, um, you know, people that I already know. And so usually that like takes care of some of that, like pre-vetting in the beginning, I would say like, it sort of depends on the reason why they're not a good fit. And that's how I know how to like redirect. So like, it could be about budget. Um, I think that like you and I are both in a place in our career where like we charge, more than like some other people that may quote unquote do the same thing we do. And sometimes that doesn't, it's just not the right fit. Someone just like, is like, I'm not paying that much money an hour or that much money for this project. That's just not what I have to spend. And you're like, you know, that's totally fine. Like that, that's, this might not be a good fit or like, here's what I can do within your budget, which like sometimes leads to that end goal anyways, is just like, it's not, it has nothing to do with like what kind of like client they are, like how, like personalities or anything like that. It's literally just like, I know what I charge. I know what I'm worth. And like, there might not be alignment there. Um, I think there's, could be like timeline components where you're like, yeah, I actually just don't have the capacity to do that in the timeline you need me to. Um, and there might be, I mean, for me, this doesn't really happen just because again, like my, my niche is so specific. Mm-hmm. And so like, people don't really come to me with projects that are like, not really, I mean, like some, I do some stuff that's like not specific in that right. niche, but like, I don't really have an instance where like the, the content of the work is not aligned. Cause also I think there's like a piece I mean, especially for project managers out there, I think that you ultimately, if you're a good project manager, you can project manage any content of a type of project. 
You are going to be better at managing projects that you actually know something about the content, which is why I niche down into where I work now. But even the like for-profit clients that I take where I do like program development or curriculum design or things like that, I'm still like within my wheelhouse of things that I know how to do. Could I manage a project with like the project management structures that I use for everything else for other contents? Sure. But they're going to be better off with someone who has like, I don't know, managed an app development before or something like that, because they're going to be able to better see into the future of like the pitfalls and like what could happen and like, what do you want to do next? Whereas like I can set up the plan and like manage people to their deadlines, but I'm not going to have the content knowledge to foresee those kinds of challenges. So that there might be an instance there where it's like, which we'll talk about in skills, what you can do versus what you should do. Um, But yeah, I like that. And yeah, I think that's like, that's like the point of the conversation. The point of the conversation is to make sure it's a good fit on both sides. I think that a lot of times the client comes into that conversation just being like, oh, if this is a good fit, I will get a freelancer out of this because that's the power dynamic of the relationship. They are coming to the table with money to spend on you. And I think it probably my I would venture to guess that it catches people off guard when you're like, no, actually, I have a choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have to say yes to anything you want. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And it's just learning how to exercise those yes and no muscles. Like, that's really what it is. It like I've been in places and times of my freelance journey where if someone says, hey, I really need this project done yesterday. I will work my butt off all day and all night long to get it done with a quick turnaround. I get glowing reviews when I do that, but is that where I want to spend my time? Not anymore. Like would would I do that to get where I wanted to get where I am today? Yeah, I had to. I mean, I did, you know, I made those choices. It's all about choices and it's taking control of the choices that you have and exercising your right to have those choices. Because That's right. we're talking about taking on quality, like quality clients here, but we're also talking about like being a quality freelancer. Like at this point in my freelance journey and someone needed something done yesterday, I would tell them like, I can do that, but I'm not going to be, you're not going to get the quality work that I put, that I want to put my name on. And so I, you know, this is when, you know, this is my timeline. And yep. so if I'm if they're good, like those are usually the conversations when I tell them like my timeline of their project and they have a different timeline. That's where we can kind of see a little bit different, um, on the project, but they'll usually come back to me because of other key points that I position myself in to help them through this project. They'll ease up on that, that crazy obnoxious deadline. This, you know, it's an audacious goal. Like I'll give them that, but they don't, that's what is a good key indicator for me that they don't have any idea of the amount of time that it takes to work on this project. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think that's like an important thing to say is like, we've been doing this for a while. I think at the beginning of our freelance careers, like our no muscle was not as strong as it is now. (laughs) And And that's fine. Like, it's not, I don't want new freelancers to feel like we've been there. We understand the pressure of like, when you're first out of the gate and you're like, 
Okay. I just need someone to pay me to do this. And that validates you. You're like, okay, got a client. Someone is paying me to do this on my own. I'm going to do it. And it's like validating. And like your quality criteria are going to be different at that stage in your career. Are there still some things that are non-negotiables? Absolutely. Like, don't say you can do things you can't do. Don't say you can do things in a time frame that you can't achieve. Like those things still hold true, but like your, your like value create your quality criteria are going to be a little bit different and that's fine. And those will change as you gain more experience and like get more clients under your belt and like build your portfolio and like all those kinds of things. So there's no shame in not being able to say no to as many people in the beginning as you want to. We've both been there. That's how you like learn and like get work and clients under your belt. But like ultimately you and your clients will be happier if you understand your capabilities and barriers and boundaries and are able to articulate those to your clients. Everyone will be happier, which will lead to repeat work, higher rates, all the things that you want. Yeah. Ultimately. Okay. I should we switch into our Q&A? Yeah, sounds good. All right. Well, we'll wrap up this episode um, of the podcast. We're going to switch into our member only Q&A portion of um, the episode and we'll see you on the next episode. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Freelance Revolution podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to check out our free community for freelancers, consultants, and solopreneurs called Freelancers Aligned. Go to www.freelancersaligned.com to sign up. Here are just a few of the things that you get with your free membership. You'll get all of our best resources, strategies, tips, and tools for living the freelance lifestyle. You'll get exclusive access to our monthly live Q&A where you can submit questions that we'll answer live just for you. You'll get a subscription to the Freelance Insider where you'll get tricks of the trade, member-only resources, and curated content from other experts. You'll also get access to the member forum where you can network and connect and ask advice from other solopreneurs who actually understand what you do and are going through the exact same things you are. Did I mention it's free? Go to www.freelancersaligned.com to sign up today.